0: This episode is sponsored by Overcast, a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now. Unless it's Overcast, get Overcast for free on the App Store. Welcome to the Ajama Show. Wow, I didn't know that was going to go that well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was superb <laughs> um, Hello, welcome to Najima's show It's your host Peter Kim And
1: I'm Unji Kim
0: And welcome to the only show on the internet Hosted by two queer Koreans Who are screaming into the void Yeah! <laughs> Hi Ting, we are here! It's June 2nd, oh, we're recording on a Wednesday a- AAPI Heritage Month is officially over Yes, and it's Thank God, <laughs> I'm done being proud No, I'm just kidding <laughs> Um, It is intense. It is. It's intense. It's just so much like, um, it's just so much of us going, humanize us. And then them going, "Eh, stop using race. You know, like it's just so much of that. I'm I'm ready to move on to June, which is all about gay people doing that. So that's fun. (laughs) I always say May and June are back to back. really hits to my patience And um, it challenges me every year. To be extra proud for two months back to back, and it's really hard. And that's the reason why
1: I'm ashamed for the rest of the year. Like it's oh, too much pride yeah. packed together, and so now yes, I feel exactly. all I have I feel compelled to be ashamed.
0: Exactly. And what better month to follow shame than July Fourth? <laughs> 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 um, but we, you know. <sighs> API AAPI Heritage Month was official, uh, not officially um especially hard this year yeah. because of the unending is incessant attacks. <laughs> yeah. I just watched a video of a woman getting smacked in her face in Chinatown walking by by a um a mentally ill black man yeah. who hit her and immediately turned around and was like, What happened? Yeah, yeah. What? And I was like, oh, wow, this shit is like it's beyond scary. It's it's absurd.
1: Yeah. I mean It's it's in the air.
0: It's in the air. And it luckily he there's cameras everywhere, so thank you Big Brother. And he got caught and he got sent to a, a mental hospital where he's getting treated. You know, whatever. But and she she has some facial damage, but she's going to be okay. Man, it's just hard to fucking go through this every goddamn day, but Um, It happening during May Was really hard Yeah So I'm glad May's over Mm -hmm. So that it's just Regular hard now You know what I mean (laughs) (laughs)
1: So it's like uh, It's not
0: as offensive When it happens in June You know what I mean Like (laughs) In June, it's just like, oh, another Asian attack. Yeah. In May, it was like, it's personal. You know, like it felt very like pointed in May. But in June, unless it's a Gaysian elder getting attacked or a Gaysian American getting attacked, then it doesn't feel as personal to me. And I know that's not good, but like, hey, I'm just trying to stay positive (laughs) and I'm trying to... It's, you know, <laughs> the silver linings playbook of it all.
1: Dude, like, uh, it reminds me of uh, it's like a Simpsons thing where Homer is wearing a stone like he's dragging a stone. It's like a it's like the stone of shame. And then he gets to the end of like the whatever uh, trial where he's dragging the, the aisle where he's dragging the stone around his neck. It's a stone of shame. And then they're like, congratulations. Now you wear the stone of triumph. And then he has to wear the exact same stone. <laughs> and
0: then it goes the other way. Okay. That's so funny. But I mean, like, you know, it's like,
1: oh, yay. OK, now this is the other thing. Like exactly the same. Because, you know, um, I mean, queerness, I think even and pride is like so it's like it's it it's very it has always like had like so many different levels and in the last year or two clearly it's different with like blm and like the inc- inclusivity of it all right um mm-hmm. because i mean you know the experience of gayness in america has predominantly been white and male and mm-hmm. um like the the attention that's being brought to it in the last couple of years also the same thing it's like very pointed it's like okay let's go <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're just so sick of everyone catching up Yeah It's so It's really a, a, a psychotic thing to be alive in America To <laughs> You know Like even if you are white yeah. Like especially if you're white It must be so fucking What a fucking mental uh, Backflip it is You have to do Uh, You know A triple axle of the brain Yeah To find out that you are wrong <laughs> And you're not even getting the benefit of it, like directly. Yeah. You, like indirect white privilege has to be the hardest thing to understand. Yes. Because you're you you anecdotally visually you feel like oh i'm getting stepped on but <laughs> systematically yeah. you're doing better than a lot of people mm-hmm. so like yeah that's got to be really hard to swallow for dumbass people out there but it is it's time you got to fucking swallow it it's time to understand how you belong in the uh, the us you know what i mean yeah. like the us of the usa of it like i i was thinking about this so okay, I'm gonna be very vulnerable right now. Ooh. Vulnerability vulnerable. alert. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, can you put some like Beedle, si- Beedle. sirens or oh, no? Oh, maybe like a, a gong, like bong.
1: <laughs> or maybe Vulnerability a, alert. Or maybe like the sound of a woman weeping. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And zoom out And it's a chubby gay Yeah
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> But okay So Friday Not Friday Was it Friday? Th- Thursday um, There uh, There was a press release About um, Joe Coy You guys know who Joe Coy is Very famous Filipino comedian Yes <clears throat> He uh, <laughs> He has a show coming out Right uh, Or in, in development At ABC Mm-hmm about an Asian family, a Filipino family, uh, based around his own family and his stand up and all that, which I love. Yes. Amazing. Should be happening. And immediately, though, I felt, oh God, here we go.
1: <laughs> there can only be are one.
0: There two. Yes. I have to fucking strap on a, a samurai sword and <laughs> defeat this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> which is you know an insane thing to think but that's immediately what i thought it
1: what that's what, uh, that's what hollywood does
0: that's what hollywood does yeah. and that's what you know that's what white supremacy does mm-hmm. that's what american individualism uh you know a sick twisted capitalism does yeah. is constantly pit you versus me mm-hmm. so that they can sit around and watch us burn ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's been a sick cycle forever. So it, I, I really did start to feel panic Oh, and okay. being like there could only be one on ABC. What if and, and it, these the producers are on it are Randall Park, yeah, yeah. who's already worked on ABC, obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, it's, Melvin a, it's Moore, a cloudy
1: project. It's a cloudy who, project
0: very cloudy yeah. right cloud tea yeah and melvin maher who we me and bobby pitched to yeah. um you know at here's a little bit of tea for that when bobby lee and i pitched kim spa to melvin maher he loved it this is but the workplace oh,
1: we have another this is the place. asian comedy yeah.
0: family yeah no wait family comedy yeah that uh, Asian family comedy, that's a, we're already in, in development with them, so we just can't take you on. Yeah. And I remember feeling, and he didn't say who it was or whatever, whatever, right? So I remember feeling like, okay, well, even the Asian executive producers aren't taking on more than one Asian project. Right. So what the fuck am I supposed to do with an entire Network TV, American Broadcasting Company, <laughs> a la Disney, you know, House of Mouse, yeah, can't take on more than one Asian show, and this was that Asian show, yeah. Apparently, right? If I'm just, I don't know for sure. He could have had a different Asian show. He didn't tell me, but this it, it seems like that's lined yes. up, right? And Melvin Mars Company has an overall with ABC, so like they're already plugged in to ABC. So this is all going through my head and I'm already feeling like panic and anxiety about what the fuck did I spend the last two and a half years on? You know, like, is this all going to just fizzle away because that's the way the fucking cookie crumbles, kid? Yeah. You know, and and I'm fearing that. And, you know, like I'm I'm already like assuming that's what's going to happen. You know, not that I, I believe in our project 1000%. I love the pilot. I love the second episode. I think the second episode really says something cool and important about, um, you know, Korean American families in K Town right now. You know, like it's, I think it's fresh. Is it going to hold up to the white supremacy of there can only be one Asian? You know, in the group.
1: Right. As opposed to imagining any sort of block of programming that might appeal to an incredibly affluent
0: and plugged
1: right. in group of people who right. all have like
0: Thursday young- night, Asian family night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, this. Uh, instead of thinking that way, I'm thinking in the scarcity mindset. Sure. And while that's happening, I'm my my uh, you know super ego I guess is kind of kicking in and going stop thinking that stop thinking that that's why you, you know they're making you think that stop it but I can't you know it just keeps spiraling and I'm I'm feeling that happening and also through my acid brain or whatever mm-hmm. I'm stepping outside of it going like shut it down like you know what this is so I force myself to tweet. To retweet Joe Coy and say, This is thrilling, and sent it out there so that I could catch up to the sentiment. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be fake. I just needed that to be the sentiment because I in Deep Inside, that is the sentiment. I think it is thrilling that he finally has a show. Like He's been working like a fucking horse. 20 like, years. Non-stop. 20, oh, years. 20 years. He sells out. Yeah. He's fucking, you know, he's great. So why shouldn't he have a show? And why am I feeling like I'm getting attacked yeah. by something good that's happening to him? Why? Because I'm thinking that everything has to be black and white. One zero. Mm-hmm. Positive, negative, me or him. Right, and that's just not the way I want to approach Hollywood anymore. So I immediately sent the tweet. I, tweet, I sent the tweet out, and I also sent a tweet to my managers mm-hmm. and said, "Look at this." Th- uh, and also, Steven Joe, the fu- uh, the uh, um, what's that? Writer showrunner of mm-hmm. this thing, is a guy that like ABC Disney really loves. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and they're and I'm just like, okay, so this is all clicking in mm-hmm. to work for them. And I feel truly like the underdog, right? Yeah. So I sent this tweet to my managers and said, hey, get, look at this. Like, you know, uh, uh, Joe Koi's having this show and uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Steven Joe's show running it. This is awesome. That's why we couldn't get him or whatever. He was busy on a different project. Great, mm-hmm. right? And then I was like, oh, this is what Melvin Mar must have talked about when we pitched to him. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I think this was the show. And I was like, you know what? I really hope that ABC doesn't make us fight. Because I think that would look really terrible. Yes. And they're like, yeah, that would look really terrible for ABC. But they didn't really assure me that that's not what's happening. Right. They're kind of like re the lines. Yeah. Like, can you really trust Hollywood? Right. To have this test separately, you know, like, and at the same time or whatever.
1: Right. They're so- like they're like they're not telling you that you have to suit up, <clears throat> but they do have a gi on the table and.
0: A- <laughs> <laughs> and my name is stitched <laughs> into it. it. And every single ancestor before me <laughs> is stitched into my back, the back of my key. But I mean,
1: Peter, you know, it's not just about Hollywood, this idea of scarcity that there's only one. It's like so much of I, I feel like my anxiety about everything is comes from this scarcity mindset that yeah. like there's not enough. There's not enough love. Like we we're just talking yeah. about it on the Patreon app, but it's like, you know, when we co- we come from families, that was a crazy
0: app. You guys have to listen. Yeah, to that.
1: <laughs> but it's like we come from families draft. that tell us that their love is finite. There's not enough, and that if right. you do want it, it will cost you this, or it will. You have to. I give conditional you conditional love. Conditional. So like yeah. we have come from a, a culture that has um, normalized that. And also we yeah. come from a culture that is inc- incredibly and aggressively capitalistic. So it's like uh, everything is zero sum. Like it yeah. makes you feel, but that's just like not actually how the world works. No. There is an infinite amount of possibility. Like, I mean, yes. the Marvel universe has told us there's a multiverse that's possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I trust Marvel.
1: <laughs> I've been truly going insane. But like I uh, But like I I'm just saying that like the The idea of abundance, which some like a, a kind of you has re, you have really impressed upon me, and I will reflect back to you because I am your friend.
0: Okay, friend. <laughs> okay, that, friend re, I'm in reception <laughs> mode. I'm receiving mode.
1: Is that this? The fact that they've announced it that it's a part of this, like then it's been in a, a a project that's been in development for this long, only bodes well for you. And even if this is not your route, if this is not your end goal, he, this getting greenlit ultimately behooves you because now then they see demonstrate success they see this like i mean this is like how fresh off the boat was this this is what cultivates they only understand money and they only understand success so everyone's success means every you know every success means that all of us get another opportunity that's the reality of it like every time someone is like oh you sound exactly like aquafina i'm always like thank god i finally have someone people think i'm like
0: to comp against yeah yeah and that's i'm waiting for that i really am like i really need someone to be like oh you're this type that makes sense instead of like every time i fucking audition for something they're like whoa what the fuck (laughs) is this what is that (laughs) I have never seen that. You're, you know, like you're class. I feel like every casting director that gets a fucking tape tape from me, yeah. they're like, uh, "Put it, I, I, put it somewhere else." <laughs> <laughs> like they don't have a folder for it. You know, <laughs> it's just it's very annoying. I uh, yeah, it sucks. But you get it. I,
1: it's good. It's everything. Yes. It's, yeah, it's good. It's,
0: everything is gravy, and I have to step out and remember that I am in. Already such a fucking blessed place in my life that yes. I feel I feel great I feel great about where I am, but I would be lying if I said it, I wasn't panic stricken going into the Memorial Day weekend. I
1: was actually surprised that you didn't text me about it.
0: You're panicked. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, when I saw this, I was I was, like, I was okay. trying to like in I was trying to like process it first. Yes, you know. And trying to get a handle on what was going on. I'm just, I I tend to be like that. Like, I'm very like, if I'm going through something, I need to like get a handle on it. Mm -hmm. And then I talk to my friends about it. Be like, girl, this is what's going on. Because like, otherwise I feel like just a burden.
1: Yes. I'm very much the same way. To actually Not, be vulnerable, don't like to. I mean, you know, but the fact that you were able to do that and force yourself to do it to catch up, bitch. That's I'm
0: still growth. panicked. That's I, that's, I still am. that's still growth. It's still growth. Yeah. It's it's still growth. Okay. I'm gonna yeah, let's call no, it a my, W for you. Let's call it a W. <laughs> okay. All right.
1: I know you're panicked, yeah, No, I, like, I do
0: want. Oh, and this comes back to. Uh, oh, God, this was such a long, convoluted way of coming back to racism, which. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to Korean racism because at the end of the day, I saw this statistic, this crazy statistic. Um, uh, what was it? I think NPR put this like infographic out about like Asian Americans and breaking the model minority myth or whatever. And I looked at it and there was way more Filipino Americans mm-hmm. than there are Korean Americans. Yes. And the fact that we already had... Uh, all American girl, mm-hmm. albeit the cast Filipino.
1: Because
0: yeah. <laughs> there's more of them. <laughs> of Japanese. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and also this feeling that I have of guilt. Mm-hmm. It's like this. I could only equate it to what white people feel as white guilt. I have this Korean guilt when I uh, when I think about Filipinos. Yeah. Because the Filipinos, um, and even though this is not my experience. At all, or anyone in my family's experience, I may add, we've never had this experience, but I do know Koreans in Korea uh treat Filipinos and Southeast Asians in Korea very badly. Uh, yeah. Like second second class citizen yes. type shit. Yes. You know, like how we treat Mexicans here, black people here, you know, like Asians here. Yeah. So like I I have this this type of like okay. I understand that that is something that's happening, and Filipino voices n- are necessary to be heard because they not only deal with Asian-American racism, but also I- Asian-American colorism. Yeah. Intra-Asian race. Intra-Asian colorism, racism, et cetera, et cetera, classism. It's something that Filipinos deal with way more. Way it's more. another layer. Mm-hmm. Than East Asians. Yes. So I, you, I, all of us have to be a little more just like sensitive about that and aware, like how we would expect white people to feel about it. All other people, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: I mean, that's like yeah, that's growth. Everything you're saying, that's growth. Again, gonna call it a it's W. So
0: hard. Yeah,
1: I know. Cause you, I, we love to be petty. I love to be small. I love to
0: be small. I love to be small. And I want to I
1: love it. it. There's truly nothing more <sighs> that I, I like truly I think some sometimes I whenever I'm like feeling blue, I will oftentimes think about how I will avenge myself like i think about my vengeance and how i would want to have it wrought upon my perceived enemies and how i want them to see my success and the low place i want them to be in when they see me ascend like i mean like i'm talking elaborate intense fantasies about this it drives me
0: that's the power of your han yeah that's your han your han is the source of everything you have to understand that your comedy, yeah. your personality, the way you live your life, the beat of your drum, that's your Han. And we, uh, you and I, have been trying to fucking release the Han <laughs> <laughs> through this podcast for four plus years. I don't know if it's helping. It's not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know either. I mean like truly like I I don't think we are any better than when we started I, in 2017 I, when the Han was revved up because of Trump I, and we had nowhere to place it.
1: I 100% know that it is. I mean, I I'm realizing that I think my so much of my internal ambition is only because of haters and it's like and it's been tough inside of a pandemic because i don't confront or see my my haters as much and the only person i'm confronting that is a hater is myself so like i it's like <laughs> and your
0: and your parents-in-law are yeah. hating as fuck your parents-
1: <laughs> no but it's like it's like all self-fulfilling like you know i don't need to rise up
0: yeah you it, just need to put other people down yeah i have this joke i used to say uh maybe i'll bring it back i'd be like you know people think that i'm conceited and full you know and i i don't agree with that you know like i don't think i'm better than anyone else i just think everyone else is worse than me (laughs) and it is i mean there's a part of it that's I actually do believe that. Yes. There is like a, a, a very small and um, controlled amount of contempt mm-hmm. for everyone. Yeah. Disdain. Disgust. Yeah. Like That's all the
1: things. <laughs> I love it. And so like to be big in this way, Peter, to me, that's a W. That shit is real. Like right. I can't. Right. That's big. Like I can't even wrap my head around that sometimes. Like trying to be. I'm just okay. trying yeah. to
0: be better. Then, you know, what we t- said last week, just be better than my mom.
1: Yeah, we're just trying to be better
0: than. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only fucking goal is to be like when compared in at it, if, if there is a heaven and we get to heaven and my mom and I get sit, stand next to each other in front of this queer, I don't know, fucking flower God or whatever. Yeah. And they open this book and and, you know, sit my mom's life and my life side by side. I just want to look at her and be like. I did it better. (laughs) I beat you.
1: Like on the seesaw, like when you guys are being weighted. Yeah,
0: Yeah, the great scale of justice.
1: (laughs) And she floats up. She floats up to hell and you go down to heaven. (laughs) I mean, like...
0: I I said, you know what? Um, During Memorial Day weekend, this was the most... uh, I guess, like... The thing that I'll take away from it is... I was talking to my friends and <clears throat> we were talking about like ambition. Yeah. And drive and where <clears throat> I get mine from. And you know, I always thought that it was because of what you just talked about this like ever um kind of lit han, yeah, you know, of like I must defeat and be the best. Mm-hmm. It it, it, that is true, but there's a part of what I've realized is that I grew up, and this a lot of people who grew up in as a queer, um, as an other, Mm -hmm. you know, as just an emotionally available person in a capitalistic world. You know, I I grew up with a lot of trauma, and a lot of darkness, and a lot of hiding, and a lot of like. Feeling powerless. And I think... And now I've come to a place... And that comes from my internal life and my external life, right? Like, it came from my dad, Mm -hmm. you know? I came from, you know, being very... In a very violent family, you know? In a family that was very homophobic. In a world that was very homophobic. And, you know, like, so I, I, I have that, like, trauma... Um, but now I've, I'm living a pretty good life in a pretty, you know, relatively safe way. In a
1: liberal wasteland
0: that <laughs> yeah. yeah, rife exactly. with your
1: type, <laughs> riddled.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the last stop of faggotry. Yeah. You know, like it's it's queer's end, mm-hmm. and I, 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 and that's really lovely but there's a part of me that I think looks back at that child me. And, um, I think I want to like, you know how like they say time is like a flat thing.
1: Yeah. I've seen the matrix. It's,
0: it's all happening at the same time kind of thing. Yeah. Right. It's almost like, Me succeeding now As like a late 30s, 40s Adult Human Yeah I'm making sure that That kid that's being Traumatized right now In the 80s That he has A happy ending
1: So it's vengeance for the younger self
0: Yeah Exactly (laughs) Yeah Yeah It's justice Mm Mm-hmm for what he had to go through, yeah, that i I have to provide for him, yeah, this future that is promised that uh there that he holds on to like this this hope that he holds on to has to be my success and my future and my happiness here now,
1: so this is a little off topic, and I'm sorry, but I'm reading uh the Alexander Che thing.
0: Oh my God! Wait, which one? The, the autobiography article?
1: Of, no, no, the GQ article I did read.
0: Uh, uh, oh, how to write an autobiographical biography? No, no, uh, novel. Yeah, it's, it's so good.
1: It's good. It's good. um yeah. But his connection with his younger self—the thing that you're describing—is not something I've ever considered. Like, it's something that I'm very tied to in my personal creative life, but I've never thought about it so acutely in terms of like my, my trajectory moving forward. Mm. Um, and I don't know why I think maybe some, like some of that is like trauma that I'm not willing to engage with because it was incredibly traumatic, my teens. And like that part of myself was incredibly traumatic. So I don't know if I'm just unwilling to deal with it. I, my question is about, do you, do you think about that self a lot? Your 13 year old self?
0: Oh, I'm talking about my five-year-old self, but do I think about my 13-year-old self? Oh,
1: no. Do you think about your five-year-old self? If that's where for you that begins, you think about it and engage with it a lot.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I think lately I've been because I'm in therapy and I'm talking about it. Okay. But do I engage with him? Yeah. I try to I once in a while I when I have like really meditative moments mm-hmm. I try to have a conversation with him and say that like you're going to be fine you're going to be great like yeah. you know and try to like kind of close that gap for him a little bit because I know he this is a truly like crazy metaphysical conversation I think we're yeah, having sorry but, yeah um we're in it <laughs> when I think about him, the five-year-old Peter, I, I grieve. Still, till this day, I grieve.
1: Yeah, I I think that, that grief is something that I avoid. You know?
0: I, I try to. (laughs) (laughs) I try to.
1: Like, I really just can't engage with it because it's like, so much of, how i've dealt with things is like the simply next page yeah move on move on next page next page yeah and like you know as long as you're moving forward and like not you're not looking back you're not looking back and not engaging with it and it's not because for me that sort of weight is not something that i feel equipped to carry sure and so and like I think most people even inside a pandemic were realizing none of us can are that fully equipped to be able to carry all of it you know you're, you're coming to terms with who you who the fuck you really are you know so many of yeah, us yeah you know and like a, a lot of us are meeting ourselves now for the first time and like fuck I don't like you
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know like I don't, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable in your presence like you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I don't uh, yeah
0: I'll, I'll, I'll get the Airbnb yeah <laughs> I gotta go I again. I can be here with you alone. You're a creep.
1: Like you know, like, I don't feel
0: safe. Like, I, I mean, you know,
1: like it's like I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm Harvey Weinstein myself. I'm like I don't feel safe or good mm. with myself in that way. And so, like I was just wondering if meeting yourself in those other ways is beneficial to understanding, like helping you carry that weight. You know,
0: I think, I think, I think it has been for me but in the in kind of the opposite way it's like i think when i engage with my 5 year old self i'm not helping to carry the weight i'm releasing the weight
1: oh i didn't know we like could do that it's helping
0: him <laughs> i didn't know either <laughs> so when i engage with my 5 year old self i'm helping him with the with the perspective that i have with my 39 year old self right and the life and the future and the brightness i have as my 39 year old self i'm i'm engaging that with my 5 year old self who felt that there was no future that there was no brightness that there was no relief right. or end yes So part of that is the releasing of the han I think is because this this revved up like need to it, it, it comes down to that balancing thing you're talking about right like mm-hmm. if the shitty part of your traumatic life is in your left and the left part mm-hmm. you're trying to pile, pile on as much good now happiness whatever you want to call it safety you know, connectedness, actualization, whatever you want to put on that right side to balance out, so that it doesn't feel like that burden. You have to carry that burden anymore, because every part of our life is who we are. I, you know, every part of my life is who I am. All my mistakes, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, all the shitty stuff that happened to me, all the random stuff. You know, like it it adds up to a, a one whole person, but. Because there's a hole there from the trauma, it keeps weighing down the personality or the identity because it's not released. So because I avoid it, I keep trying to look for a different identifier instead of just releasing the identifier of victim or traumatized kid so that I can let everything apply to me. You know, so like... Right. It, it's kind of like next to me <laughs> if you <laughs> if you think about it like you know they had some great ideas yeah. cults usually do don't comfort me I'm not talking about the sex stuff I'm, I'm talking about talking the about ideas both.
1: I'm talking about the ideas yeah
0: yeah yes Christianity turned the other cheek <laughs> that's a great idea okay <laughs> all facts go to hell you took it too far <laughs> all dogs go to heaven I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is that kind of like that next CME engagement because that's what they do. And it's, it's a lot. It's Scientology. It's, it's therapy. It's all of it. It's, it's, um, mushrooms, psychedelics. I think it's all the same thing is that like, it's that wiring of that trauma that weighs so heavy Mm -hmm. that it keeps, it keeps you identified to it. And you don't exist without it and it feeds you. It's like that demon that keeps feeding you and you know, yeah. you can't, you know, and unless you like face it, it'll never go away. So I'm trying to face it more and really give that, that kid, mm-hmm. it's almost like if I could, if I had a time machine, I could go back to that kid and relieve his stress for him Yeah. so that when I come back to this time that I don't carry it.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of my friends once put it like, you really need to know what you are carrying so that you know what you can let go of. Mm-hmm. You know, like...
0: That's exactly yeah, it. Yeah,
1: like if you don't can't fully synthesize or process all the bullshit that you have in, that you're carrying your burden, you know, if you don't even know what's in your rucksack, you don't know what you don't need and mm-hmm. relinquish it. Um, yeah, you know, like to make
0: a checklist first.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I, you're talking, you're talking to a bitch that has parts for an IKEA bed that she bought and has. I've I've already left that bed. I don't even have it anymore. Have all the components, and you know, I, like, I have a hard, what? Yeah, I have a hard time letting go because to me,
0: if I, <laughs> I don't an IKEA
1: bed. Yeah, if I I don't know when I'm gonna need those components. If maybe I'll need a be- IKEA bed again. I mean, like I just. <laughs> like i know i understand i i think that's part of the um lie that i tell myself is that because i'm aware of it that somehow i'm dealing with it but you know it's not the same yeah, it's like it's i'm like, still yeah, holding no. on to all these ikea pieces i have so many of those like key things you know that you turn yeah. i have um
0: <laughs> the Allen wrenches yeah
1: i i have instruction manuals for every humidifier i've ever purchased i have no idea where the humidifiers <laughs> are <laughs> but, you know like, that is insane yeah 100 <laughs> percent. it's insane <laughs> but i'll but hey guess what yeah. i know how every yeah. single type of humidifier might work and especially because all of them have yeah. one button so
0: <laughs> pretty easy <laughs> pretty easy to figure but out. I,
1: it's a good thing that i have the instruction manual i mean like it wow. is it's insane But like, I think that I have this, I come from, and just going back to the original thing about that you were talking about, it's like, I I understand coming from a place of scarcity. Like, I just always think that there won't be enough. I will never, you know, even when I eat, when, you know, it's just like, this is gonna be possibly the last meal. So like, why wouldn't I get I'm gonna That's g- why I always- eat so fast. Yes. I eat so fast. I'm
0: barely breathing when I when I eat. And
1: I'm also Are old- you
0: always the old first one done? Always. My always whole,
1: my whole family yeah. eats within 25 minutes.
0: Yeah, I eat like they're about to trap me yes. and l- l- lug me on a cargo ship. But
1: by the way, always I always pay extra for guacamole. Like or avocado. I always get the extra, <laughs> but like uh-huh. it's always I don't ever take the time to enjoy it. I want the extra because I'm worth it. <laughs> but I don't ever... You're checking it off. I'm checking it off. And I do, of course... You're I, like,
0: okay, yes. I am worth it because I got it. And I, but my, my
1: entree is I'm not taking a more. second
0: to fucking enjoy no. it. <laughs> that's exactly how I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, no way. Oh, God.
1: But, I mean, like, that, I think, is, like, coming from a place of scarcity. And that's, like, just... The trauma of and the thing is, it's generational and like, I think the conversation that we're having as a culture now about generational trauma is like, because I think sometimes we lay the blame at the feet of our only of our families. And it's like, well, our families had that trauma and they, but they are never, yeah, but they're never going to lay it at their feet. So it's like an undue amount of pressure and blame being laid on this only this previous generation when it's been passed down for many. And it's not just familial It's like, you know, at least with Koreans It's like this political trauma This, um, you know, war, right? Like, like these things that are outside of anyone's control So it's geopolitical shit too It's patriarchy, it's this
0: Let me ask you something If you were to talk to your ancestors
1: mm-hmm. Right now Yeah
0: You know like how we do like ancestor worship? Sure uh-huh, Yeah, like that, right. Yeah. People's, like, I mean, a a lot of Confucianism is about, like, ancestor worship and, like, making sure your family name and whatever, you know, like, Mm -hmm. is is honored or whatever the fuck, right? If you and I talk to our ancestors right now, the whole lot of them, all the way back to Adam. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they are now self-aware Of their generational trauma. Even though they weren't in their mortal lives.
1: Yes. Because I feel like so much of.
0: You know, they'll understand once they're once they cross over, they just understand everything and they're like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay." well, I I
1: think I know (laughs) what I think what happens is that even in the way that we talk about our ghosts, when we talk at, like, at the Chisa table, when we talk about it, we bestow unto our ancestors the wisdom that we want them to have. And think about the conversations we have about they always give them more benefit of the doubt. They always say that she always had felt this pain. There's never like a disavowal of like what happened to them. Everyone knows what happened that was fucked up. We talk about it. We discuss it. This is what happened. This what happened. You know, like even in Uh, encoded terms or whatever we all kind of understand and know the trauma we just allow them to be released from it and we talk about that release how they're free from this pain they do this and now we just take it on i think that i mean even in the way we talk about our ghosts i think we as the living the next generation there is a part of it that inherently understands it to be true like it's it's weird, but I think that's the reason why there's so much ancestor worship ghosts in so much Asian culture. It's because of this. It's like we don't have another way of describing generational trauma, but the way that our relationship, our relationship to our ghosts seems to be a way in which to process it. It's not 100 percent, but I think it's a, it's always been a form of it because there needs to be an acknowledgement of the pain. It's too great. Right. It has to be, you know, like every single sort of Korea, so many Korean artists and creatives have come from it from this specific angle, you know, and that's how we have chosen to process it. And it's like, it's been a part of this all, for all time, you know, like I can tell how many times have your parents yeah. cried at the chess table thinking about the things that your mo- grandmother had to do,
0: had to go through yeah. and blah, Yeah.
1: That's the whole thing You I, beat your chest You beat I your might, chest I
0: might start doing that again Ancestor I might, worship? Uh, yeah I, I don't want to call it Ancestor worship I, It just feels like Patriarchal and stupid You know what I mean? <laughs> it's more about like uh, Connecting to a source That you clearly Physically come from Yes But also Metaphysically Is there a way to engage in a new, like a, a progressive, new hippy dippy ancestor worship, where it's like you you feel a sense of connection and not loneliness and not idiosyncrasy of your trauma, right? Because you don't. That's the nice thing about attaching it back to your ancestors is that it's not personal, right? You know, it's not. It's not your fault. I It's wonder. not my fault. I dealt with that trauma. Right. Like, I internalized it forever as my fault, and I still do, and that's why I cry about that five-year-old Peter. Yeah. But if I could share with that five-year-old Peter the ancestral, like, holding of this and why that became your life, it it kind of releases, at least for me, the the uh, the onus to hold on to it
1: right yes like insofar as the jesaw table has always been the burden comes on to us right the living right we take Mm -hmm. the pain from what you're describing as more of a therapeutic thing where it's like um the ancestors can take some of the weight as well
0: yes Right. actually most of it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, you know what it is? It's like um it's uh, It's putting it's, it
0: back on them. Yeah,
1: it's um it's the Jesus footprints thing. Turned out they were carrying yeah. me the entire time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're back to Christianity, baby, where we belong. <laughs> I mean, I think that's so much of it. Like Wow. I mean, cuz I've been reading a lot about the role Christianity and church has played mm. in our, our Korean American history in America specifically. And yes. so much of it is rooted in this idea of like, the other world. And there's so many of it can be layered on on top of like, our more, um, like, uh, you know, indigenous cultural and ri- cultural rituals and stuff. Um, and I think this is the reason why it resonated. Because it layers on perfectly, you know, it maps on and it works, and it's a point of contact. It's communal space where we can all share, and it's things mm. that, I mean, it's very. I mean, you know, Christianity is very big in Korea even now. I mean, it's, but it's yeah. also the place where there's the most. You know, it's like it kind of seamlessly comes together, especially in yeah. Korea. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, you take uh, it.
0: Yeah, t- <laughs> <laughs> because it is mostly theirs. Yeah, you know, and. You know, as I forgive my father for being who he was, I really and I have to, I have to really start putting into context who he became is because of his generational trauma, right? And his dad, who he became, was his generational trauma, and it's like, it's, it's such a direct line that as a Korean American, Mm -hmm. I absolutely never. Connected to that. I try to disconnect. Right. And I think this is what you're talking about yeah. is you try to avoid it because it's too much to handle. Yeah. But once you I think because now I'm engaging with it as like because I always felt so alone in my sadness. Yes. Because A, no one talked about it. And B, and there was no therapy, there was yeah. no mental health, whatever. But B, it was Something that I always felt I it, you know being of Christian background, it was a burden I had to carry, right, because that was the point of being alive, yes, to what suffer. Even Buddha says yes, to, to suffer. suffer, life is suffering, yeah, you know and and the thing is i I need to buck against that and and say that it is not, because a life of suffering is not worth living for me, yeah. It's, it, it doesn't bring me, I get it why it's said because you can't avoid suffering, but I think there's a new way to to take a look at it is that because I never thought of my, my father and my grandfather and my mother and her mother and all, it all being cosmically linked. I always, especially as Korean American, I always felt like, well, that's them, right? I'm me alone, myself, individual. Right. I'm gonna be different, but bitch, you cannot escape that. No. Your blood is your blood. You're, you're, your your t- brain is your brain. Your heart is your heart. You're
1: literally chain link. You're literally on a leash, stuck to yes. a chain, and every single right. chain link ties to the original. I mean, yes. I you know it's so funny when we talk about like with Buddha and all the stuff like. You know, Siddhartha was married and had children. This bitch just left his family. He left his family. It's like when we talk about suffering. sit under a tree and pray. (laughs) That sounds not like suffering. Sounds like you got it pretty good. Sounds like the wife you abandoned (laughs) allowed you to live this life.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, because you were brilliant. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The myth of male genius. Like, I mean, that to me is like a perfect definition of like, where this idea comes from is perpetuated because the lie is that you have to do it alone, and the truth right. is that we all share it.
0: All of us, we share Especially it. Especially your direct family line. Yeah, and I, I and I as I have been in the last year or so, I've talked about this. I'm sorry, just becoming a long ass podcast. I know, but, sorry guys. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last year or so, I have been working on speaking to my father posthumously. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about on the podcast, my friend Steve, who um, really helped enlighten me that I wasn't really talking to him. I was talking at him and never listening Mm -hmm. to him. And then only recently months ago, I started listening to him and listening to how he speaks to me and listening to how he loves me and accepts me and, is is proud of me uh and is sorry for who he couldn't be for me and that's been really helping yeah but now as i am kind of like doing this thing with my younger self like i'm really trying to connect all dots together Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to i'm right now all the dots are connected but i'm still outside of it right you know what I mean? I'm still outside of it looking at it and going, "Okay, I did it. It makes sense." <laughs> but like I but I I think what's missing is me stepping into the line and being like, "Okay, I can't I can I, I I can't avoid this ancestral thing." So like I might as well fucking put it to use.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I get it. It's like you know, there's so many times when I feel like at least any time I've ever done therapy before, engage in this kind of personal work. Like, it, to me, it's very akin to when you get an A on a test, but you've learned nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I
0: did it. Yeah, and I you, knew yeah, it. For you the, studied correctly. Yeah, and I know it. For memorized. The
1: t- I, I memorized it for the test. But right. I have demonstrated no acumen. I have demonstrated no actual internalizing of this information. Like You
0: have shown no work. No
1: work. And I just <laughs> know the answers.
0: Like, you just circled D, none of the yeah. above.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know what the th- the answers are, but I do not know what this is. Like, I do, I have not internalized this.
0: Like, <laughs> right, I, right.
1: I, I know what. Um, You've
0: retained no knowledge. No
1: knowledge. And it's like yeah. almost, it's. And it is the wrong way to go about self-improvement. It is the it is it is hard to live life yes. when you've been, and the thing is like all of us have to forgive ourselves because we've grown up inside of a culture that rewards success, right? But not growth, right? They want yes. you to, the fact that you started here and uh, reach a certain point, like 10 yards in front of you gets no.
0: You're right. It is like the testing mentality. Yes. It's just product focus.
1: Yes. I mean, I can't, Results tell you, I can't tell you how many times a therapist has been like, okay, so clearly you've read some books. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like, you know exactly <laughs> what I want to hear so that you yeah. can demonstrate that you are correct and that you are improving. Yeah. But I do not oh, see... Yeah.
0: I told my therapist the other day. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm dealing with a little bit of, you know... Trauma, uh, but I have learned that this is how I react to trauma. Yeah. And this is what I am doing to help that. And I've, this is a person I used to be, and now I'm this kind of person. And she goes, Okay, so what do you want to talk about? (laughs) I was like, Oh, I just wanted to let you know that I'm better than what you think I am. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I just this is I constantly just, like yes.
0: cu- do curating the narrative, yes. and she's like, I don't. You need to like just chill out for a second and just tell me how you feel. Yeah, because I I get it. Yeah, like you're smart. Yeah, you studied psychology. Yes. <laughs> you know you got a bachelor's in it barely with a two point eight. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I get it, bitch. <laughs>
1: I mean, like, truly, like, that's the vibe. It's like, oh, I have to do, I have to demonstrate that I am good at this. But it's, like, it's not internalizing it. And that's such a hard part of, like, when you come from, I think, this type
0: of success success, oriented. Yeah,
1: success oriented. And then also at the same time, avoiding, right? Because actually engaging with it is so painful. And, like, I I think this is why going back to the Jaysa thing is, like, talking to and understanding that maybe forgiving ourselves and like sharing the burden like that sort of shame is so deeply embedded and it's hard to i mean and sometimes and like at least for me having non korean or non-asian therapists it's been hard for them because they think that the shame is a part of the symptom right it's something that's wrong and they don't understand it to be cultural They don't understand. They think it's like they think that they add um, a layer of pathology to it. That's not necessary because it's just cultural, like the way that we're experiencing it, maybe articulated differently among white people. But like the way we are processing it is shame. And it's like, sure, it's not good, but it's not like another pathology. It's just because this is how every single person who is Asian usually kind of processes this stuff, you know?
0: but that is a pathology. No. It's <laughs> it, is. no it is cultural. No. No no, it's both. It's both. It has to be both. Like it's like say like um white people and racism. You know yeah. what I mean? Like racism is is a disease and it is a cultural thing to be racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's both. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not it, you can't have one without the other. That's why it's generational trauma because we can't escape it. But it is something that we can fix. Whew, touche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was a lot, but um, I, that feels good. I, I feel good about uh, a new way to ancestor worship where it works for me. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to light some fucking incense <laughs> and talk to my goddamn grandparents and great grandparents and be like, what the fuck, y'all? <laughs> The fuck is happening? <laughs> take this. You take this. <laughs> You're weightless. You're, like, somewhere. Just take this. Kajuga. <laughs> <got>. All, right. <laughs> <God you got. laughs> All right, guys. We'll be right back. We're back. Uh, that was a long episode, so we're just going to get really right to it. I just want to talk about this Alexander Chi article. It was so good. G- in GQ. It was... God, I just really... He's, he's such a beautifully... Um, just insightful writer, and he—he's
1: <sighs> doing what we just talked about. He there. Yes. There's that other yes. GQ article about him and connecting to the language of his father, and yeah. about spe- specifically and learning Korean learning as an older as yeah. an older person. Mm-hmm. And it's he is connecting with the ghosts of his past and the yes. work. If you guys we've talked about it, these articles a couple of times in these podcasts. If you have the time, I would suggest. Put it on a fucking iPad. Read it like a book before you go to bed. These articles are so beautiful. They're beautiful. elegiac and they're yeah, poetic. Like uh-huh. this bitch is doing it and he's connecting. Yeah. With, it's like something is happening. I think this is new yes. in him.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I I, I, think it's new in all of us. Yeah. You know, as Asian Americans, this is a new thing to really start connecting with the 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 trauma that we experience by being different in America. And in this ex- exact article, um, Alexander is talking about, um, you know, grow up, growing up in Maine and being a biracial queer kid. Like that's got to be yeah. it, at, in his decade, too, which is like uh, it's, it must have been so hard, yes. you know, and he had a father, a Korean father uh, and a white mother and, you know, being biracial at that time even being biracial now people are like what yeah. you know what i mean and and even the biracial kids are like huh you know so like <laughs> to to be biracial and queer in Maine at that time must have been so fucking nuts and you're right he is beautifully unpacking um a lot of this stuff in these articles and it, it, everyone should be reading this because it really talks a lot about what we are dealing with right now of who our father was, how, why was he who he was? Am I, how am I connecting to my father's father? Um, you know, or my mother's mother, you know, whoever. Yes. And in this article, he talks about his dad who, uh, was a Taekwondo guy and you know, I, I my dad was a Taekwondo guy. He made me take Taekwondo, and you know, he talks about his dad making him take it, and at that time, not really realizing why mm-hmm. he was doing that, and he he thought like his father was trying to make him more like him. Yes. And I thought the exact same thing. I'd be like, I'm not like you. I'm different. You know, like I'm gay. <laughs> like stop. You know, like I I really did. Like I did Taekwondo all through white belt. I got my second. I got my yellow belt. Wow. Yeah, I learned how to do the splits and I was like, I'm out. That's all I wanted from Taekwondo is how to do the splits. Yeah. And <laughs> whenever you day, get me, until yeah. this day, you get me drunk and high at the same time. I'm doing a split at the party <laughs> or attempting one, Yeah. you know. So, like, I got what I needed out of it. And he talks about what he got out of it. And, you know, I just want to read this uh, part. He says... Taekwondo and karate prepare you to go about your life aware of what to do in case of assault. Mm -hmm. And this is um, an article he writes in response to the uh, anti-Asian hate Mm -hmm. and the violence that our, our community is facing. And he says they offer no guarantee, just chances for preparedness in the face of the violence of others as well as the violence within yourself. At the time, I thought my father was describing the responsibility that comes with knowing how to hurt someone. But I came to understand it as a principled, if conditional, nonviolence, which in this year of quarantine and rising racist violence is one of the clearest legacies he has left for me. Mm-hmm. I This really cut deep into my soul
1: mm-hmm.
0: and made me think about... How I how Taekwondo it it is truly about self defense. Yes, and Taekwondo is about you choosing to use violence as the last resort. Yes, so it's not only a martial art; it's a way of life. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a pass it's a try to be pacifist if you can kind of life. Yep, and for me, when I took Taekwondo, I did not think of that either. I really thought of it as like, oh, you're trying to make me into like a masculine kid. You know, maybe, yeah, to defend yourself, sure. Sure. But to know how to defend yourself and to never use it is a sense of self-sustaining power. Yes. That is so beautiful Mm -hmm. that he gets to in this article that you just, we never think about. I mean, think about all this violence. It's
1: it's I mean, the thing about most martial arts and specifically with Taekwondo is that it Holds two things, two simu- simultaneously diametrically opposed ideas at the same time: the hope for peace, the hope for peace, the hope that you never have to use violence, and the reality that it might occur. Right. Both of those things, you hold that inside of one little five-year-old it's body. It's yin yang. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. Right. It's exactly. It's the
1: most op- the highest form of optimism with like this like kind of grim reality. The
0: absolute preparedness of the worst. And
1: it's grim.
0: Yes. Yes. And that is. That's Korean as fuck. It's Korean as fuck. And it is something that we forget. And the Han in us really. It makes me at least want to enact violence. Mm -hmm. But to be justified to do so. Yeah. That's the direct opposite of what Taekwondo preaches, which is know how to defend yourself, but don't ever choose to inflict it. Yeah. And I it really hit me in a way where I was like, I got to start letting this go. Yeah. I got to, I got to really start letting this go because you know, it, it's, it's toxic yeah. and it, it it's helped me survive mm-hmm. but i am no longer in survival mode even if the news tells me that i sh- ought to be i am not yeah I mean, it's, I mean to have such a sense of yes like you know steadiness within yourself mm-hmm. to know how to beat the shit out of someone yeah but never want to yeah that's that's where i want to be i mean
1: taekwondo opas are really <laughs> Their posture is always so good. So good. Straight <laughs> back. And they're lean. They're, and their handas are always so clean. It's
0: so, <laughs> they're really good to their moms. They're
1: so good to their moms. They always have yeah. the best they always I drink. Be a all, oppa. Yeah, they always drink all their hanyak. They like don't <laughs> comp- to the lesson. Yeah, they don't come. They don't have for a second piece of candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So like, yeah, Yeah. I mean, but this article is truly beautiful. And also his father is an extraordinary person. Yes. I mean, and so like that is special in and of itself. You know, he comes from like kind of a fancy Korean family, but like insofar as like that's a person that can come here and have these like sort of new progressive ideas. You know, that's Alexander has the gift of having a really progressive dad, Mm -hmm. even for the time. And so like, You know, that, that is He a was gift. helping,
0: you know, people, like, fucking, you know, what we were talking about with KRC, like, immigrants who come yes. and don't know the language, helping translate mm-hmm. stuff for, like, just rent and bills and shit like that. Like, it's the coolest. Yeah. And it, he had such a, like, great role model as a father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this article, he talks about, like, the thought of possibly failing him. Yeah. You know, in this time of crisis or... You know of of assault and what does that mean to defend yourself and all that? Like it's just it it's it's such a he writes in this very textured way where it makes me feel like I'm seen. Yes, you know, like it's comforting. (laughs) It's like a you know after you drink so much soju and you come home. And you're fucking starving And you're going through the pantry And there's nothing there And then you realize Oh my god There's one packet of chapagetti left (laughs) (laughs) This is that He writes like a chapagetti Yes The last chapagetti It's really beautiful I love it
1: Yeah Highly recommend It's a beautiful And all the work he's been doing With GQ recently The two articles I've Mm -hmm. read Have just really been gorgeous Highly recommend Yes Yes
0: right, guys We're gonna take a quick break And we'll be right back Okay, we're back with kick-ass Koreans. Kia. Yeah! All right, who do you got this week? Okay, I have
1: Christine Pak. It's P A I K. You know, there's like okay. new ways of uh, writing Korean last names now. Like you know, isn't like- this like Pick? Pick? pick pick okay let's yeah. do pick you know I mean I, yeah. I get it like we're pick coming, shape. we're all coming over we got new like better ways of anglicizing our names but you know it creates the <laughs> illusion that there's more than 25 fucking last names Like <laughs> there is a finite number like you know it's like we're trying to be like Meg you know how white people have Megan and then it's Meg Han you know it's like whatever yeah
0: or Megan with a Y, y yeah yeah it's like yeah. I get it
1: anyway so yeah. pick Christine pick she was a pock before a park,
0: before, so oh okay, yeah, pickpock, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so, but she has written.
0: But she's packed to Park?
1: No, I'm gonna say.
0: Pac. <laughs> <laughs> or pop to back.
1: Back to back.
0: Okay, she's pack to back. No, Beck. she
1: she went to pick. Uh, from pack. From pack. Yeah. Okay. Pack is in her back pocket.
0: Pass. Yeah, pass. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but she's a. She recently. Um wrote a children's book called the girl in the gold dress and it's about a young girl who um like performs a fan dance for her like school talent show like that's all white and she like goes through it and so it's like a young adult book novel and it's her first book at it her first try at it but she was she had a 15 year career in TV news and um, she's like won a bunch of news Emmys, multiple PR awards. She's great. But she respond. She was responding to this, like, you know, representation in all forms. And like, honestly, like this kind of shit where young people are taking in new types of point of view, that's really where the change occurs. So mm. great for this. But the thing I really liked is that so the book is illustrated by her mom. <gasps> no way Yes Junglin, cool. Junglik, Jung Lin Cool Jung Lin Park But um, So she was a, She used to be an artist Before she left uh, University in Korea Came to California In 75 And like Retired And was like Started to paint And her daughter Asked her to illustrate the book
0: Cool I know That's awesome I
1: mean just like This kind of like artistic collaboration we do not see and this idea that like so many creatives uh, Asian creatives are like ashamed or you know like had to convince their parents to let them do this you know like mm. to me this is a great i great indication that there are creative Korean elders <laughs> that appreciate <laughs> this and are yeah. and it's like encourage it so it's flouts a stereotype and also just like a lovely little book um and it looks really cool and it's just like you know the fan, the Korean fan dance alone is just like cool to see. And always saying whenever I see a humbook on a book cover, I'm always excited. So that's my kick. Ass yeah. Korean.
0: Awesome. Yay! Yay. Let's give it up for Christy Peck. <laughs> um, <laughs> Girl in the Gold Dress will have both of those um, handles in the show notes. My kick ass Koreans is a duo um, two Korean American women in North Carolina, G- Greensboro, I believe. Uh, their names are Christy Soper and Tina Firesheets. The coolest name I've ever heard. Tina yes. Firesheets? Firesheets? Dude, that's dope. Yes. <laughs> that is a dope fucking name. That um, is so cool. <laughs> These two have come into the news because they um, uh, are am- amplifying Asian stories in their area, local stories, <clears throat> through an organization called PAVE NC, which stands for Pan-Asian Voices and Experiences of North Carolina. Now, this group is a nonpartisan, volunteer-led initiative uh, to create education uh, of Asian American experiences through sharing real stories uh, in the North Carolina local area. So they're shouting out their local like business owners, um, thought leaders, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And the whole idea behind this is that there's a stat uh, and uh, this stat was uh, uh, stupendous to me. 25 percent of Asian Americans are in the south. Wow. That's way more than I fucking thought. 25%? I thought it was like five percent. That must A lot of that must be Georgia.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's
0: a lot of crazy. that must be Georgia. But 25% of Asian Americans in the South, Yeah, and you, we never see them. No. They're even more invisible than the coastal Asians or the city Asians, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you will. And, and completely left out of the conversation around race and equity, all that. So this is their way of, you know, instead of... You know, sitting there and being like, oh, we're invisible. They're doing something to make us visible, Mm -hmm. which is very fucking cool. You know, this it's what we do on this podcast for Koreans. Yes. um, But they're doing it for Pan Asians, which is even better. Yeah. So follow them at Christy Soper. Uh, Tina Fire Sheets. I couldn't find a, th- uh, a, a handle for, but they're all over the news. Each week, they feature uh, a new uh, Asian American artist. They had an Indian mural artist come down and paint all these murals around town, uh, and uh, you know, showing Asian faces. So, like, this is like a cool way to um, to give a platform locally, yeah. instead of having to push. ABC to put my show on the air, (laughs) to bring it back, to bring it back, (laughs) (laughs) to put my show and Josep on the air, which is Joe Coy's show. There's there's room for all of us, and the more we do that in you know fucking locally and on the mass media level, I think that's we're gonna get to a better place faster. Mm -hmm. So, um, cool kick-ass for Christy and Tina. Look them up. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. It's it was a long one. It was uh, uh, we we talked about a lot. I'm gonna go light some incense. Yeah, I know we're in it. Yell at my grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Audio.